Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume, and today's episode is part two of my conversation with Sarah Jones. If you want to keep up with Sarah for info about upcoming performances and her new podcast, you can head to sarahjonesonline.com. That's Sarah with an H. Okay, let's get into it. I interviewed um, this girl yesterday for the podcast. Her name is Ruby Carp. She's 16 years old. Great She's name. writing a book. Awesome. You go, know? Ruby, and, go. And, uh, you know, I asked her, I was like, you know, you know, in your, you know, like being a kid now, like, do you feel this pressure with all these like social media things to constantly be seeking out attention, whether you want it or not? Right. And she was like, yes, completely. Involuntary snapping. There's no way to get out of it. Totally. You know? Jesus. And she's 16? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, like, there's a part of me that's like, if Snapchat is because i'm that's i've drawn the line i don't yeah i've drawn the line at the snap and which is a kind of an age line it right is an, like it's, it's designed a, not for us it's it designed, is not for the old right as i've heard it said. yeah and i i will admit i have an account i think i have like two you know i went on there one time i was like oh look at my face jumping around that's funny yeah. oh i have to like learn how. and then i thought i am a writer and a performer and my job is to do my podcast and do my shows and have conversations like this with you yeah and you know make films that i like and make work that i like and to the extent to which these platforms help me engage with people who will otherwise not find me, right. okay, I'll do what I have to do, right. but I'm trying to stay human over here. And it's starting to feel like AI. Like I've been in conversation with people where they're talking a little too low, like I can't really hear them, and I pick up my phone involuntarily and start pressing the volume button to try to oh get them gosh. louder that's a bad i'm a logical thinking person that's a terrible that sign is, yeah that is yeah it's not good but anyway but I'm, no but like the i think the thing is that um with uh with like that kind of stuff like okay so like you want to be able to give all of yourself to your work yeah that takes up all your time yeah you don't have time on top of that to then be giving all of yourself to it, people engaging with your work oh my god you know and it's just like where do you put your focus right. where you know because like i definitely know people and maybe you know people too who spend all their time just doing that 100%. just the interfacing 100 percent. and it'll get you a million squillion followers by the way i do not have a million squillion yeah. followers i'm on instagram i'm on twitter i occasionally go on facebook there's a whole divorce story about that where like yeah at one point i was like we all have we have the same friends this is super <laughs> awkward goodbye um but the hard part is like you said, this is about being a creative person. Like our work is about, you know, the uniqueness of what what you see, who you are, where right. you've been, and sharing that with people from a place of humility. Not, oh, you absolutely have – my podcast is the most important thing in the world. <laughs> but clearly, if you have, you know, an authentic – viewpoint that is different from a fucking brand and i'm yeah. so people are like but sarah jones your brand and i'm like i did not sign off on this sarah jones brand that thing. pigeonholes you into a thing too that puts up like walls around what you can do yes do. it does and you know? so i guess i'm trying to make those walls as porous yeah. as i can make them um you know like they're the work that i'm engaged with now in some ways it couldn't be more analog my favorite way to work is one on one mm -hmm. sitting here, and you know, um, I want to introduce you to Pauline Ning, and she is a very important person to me. This woman, uh, Sarah Jones, she wants to talk to uh, Chinese American people about 
what means to be Chinese in America. I want to tell people, uh, meet me first. Don't make decision uh, that you know all China people like this or like that. Take some time to be with that person. Look their eyes. You cannot know who is that person without uh, spend some time with them, ask them question. But I think the whole world think they know every person, every people, because they have smartphone and they can Google. Uh, you cannot find me on Google. I told Sarah Jones, if you want to interview me, we have to sit, we have to have some tea together. So I, I, my favorite way to work is to be human yeah. in a space with other humans. Right. I recognize that there are only so many bodies I can smush into a theater at a time. So I'm doing other stuff on you know digital platforms and look TV things and film things. That's all fantastic. And those mediums, th those media <laughs> do have benefits that other forms don't have. I did you know I did a TED talk. And the next thing I know, a million people were like, I love your characters, like no, overnight. No, that's a million people that have seen your work now. Which is fantastic. Yes. And, you know, I've done a few now, and I love TED Talks, and they do engage, you know, I have people from Singapore who are like, I loved your the one that you did about blah. And that's awesome. Yes, and without the first part of my work right. being stoked and nurtured and prioritized, I'm screwed. So it's an awkward balancing act and right now like i probably haven't posted anything on instagram in a couple of days yeah there was a time when i was like you know standing rock like every picture was like this is how you can donate right, ah! right, and right. so i guess it's just kind of making peace with how imperfect it all feels and if i if, if i'm coming home to my work often enough that's my job like my work is my home base mm -hmm. like the actual work not mm -hmm. branding the work not promoting the work but doing the work yeah and then trusting that you know, if it's, if you're doing something brilliant, people will find you. It will. Yeah, they will find you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I reached out my hand across the table <laughs> oh. to gesture to you that you were being brilliant. Oh, I didn't want to be like, I'm, sorry. I'm doing it here. Oh, so, okay. Okay. I don't want to, I didn't want to do like what, because I'm, I am doing something brilliant. I'm just letting people this, will find I'm me. just like processing you're this processing. truth. Just give me a second. I'm trying here, to let you, know? you process too. But I meant what I meant was you are doing something brilliant well, and that's why people find you. And well, that's the thought. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, like when people do like people do, you know, write emails and do like connect on Instagram and like, it's nice to know that. People are listening and like engaging with what you're doing, yeah. you know, because it started with like a very simple and true um, aim. What was your mission? Like, what did you know I you wanted to wanted do? I wanted to just have anything? a podcast where I just had conversations with women yeah. the way that I, you know, like, because I, it all started from an episode of WTF okay. that I listened to okay. where Mark Marin just, it was just, a, it was an episode, it was a live episode. He only uh, interviewed women comedians. Ah. And I, I just was like, it was that same kind of thing as that Feminism 101 class yes. where you're like, Wait, you're like, why are, you, why are you talking to them in this way? Right. Like, why can't you, for lack of a better term, like, why can't you take your dick out of this conversation? Totally. Why does it have to become a sexual thing? And not even in a big way, but right. like, you it's could subtle. feel it. It's just there. It's and in it's the like, water. I was like, and you know, then I started, you know, once that happened, I started going back and listening to other podcasts I listened to, like when like men would talk to women, I'm just like, my best friends growing up have like half always been like half women and half guys. Like, you know, like there's never, but that's unusual. You know, it is, that's it unusual. is a little unusual, yeah. but, yeah. and I was like, okay, I want to do a podcast. There's a million podcasts out there. What can I do that's different? I was like, I just want to have a conversation between a man and woman where we just like talk shop and just like talk about amazing and inspiring people, how they do things and why they do things. It was yeah. just as simple as that. Simple as that. And, 
you know, like I've been able to have like these fucking illuminating and educating and, 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 and like amazing conversations, you know? So that was just like, that was just like the simple genesis for starting this. Yeah. You know, I think everything great starts that way. I think, right? like, I think I, so. Like there's, I wasn't hearing it. I'm not saying there weren't people doing it. They're very, you but it wasn't on my radar. Right. And like, I was like, all right, well, that's what I want to do. And right. you know, we, it, it's, it's come from a very true place a very like, you know, I think like genuine desire to just like the way that we're talking, we're talking like friends talk, right? right. Like we're having a conversation as people. Yes. It's not coming a conversation as a man or a woman. Right. I'm not commenting on like the dress that you're wearing right. on like the late night show. Totally. Whereas like, if you were a guy, we'd be like broing down yep. about something. hundred percent. You know? Yep. And that's like part of that game and it's, but I don't want to have any part of that game. Right. And I think that's a, it's a choice that requires, I mean, you have to be willing to bump, you know, there's friction there, yeah. right? Because the dominant culture, oh my God, especially <laughs> now. But I guess all of this to say, like the idea of treating women, men, trans folks as human yeah. first yeah. is revolutionary. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. But it is. Right. And I struggle with it myself. I mean, I create characters and part of what I do is I look at like, oh, well, what's the authentic, you know, body language of this woman? And, you know, like I have an English character who, for lack of a better way to put this, um, there's a sort of thing that I've noticed. Um, I don't think it's only me and I'm sure it happens here in America as well. But um, there's a sort of like shrinking, you know, concave presence you know physical yes. corporeal presence um that says oh don't mind me um in particular don't mind me and my privilege um but especially i'm a woman and there's this sort of um um forgive me for taking up space um mm. type of thing and i really like to study all of that like how our identities actually you know are politicized from the time we're tiny as you were saying you know the pink um, kind of girls play with dolls and boys, you know, will do this with cars or that sort of thing. Right. It really does sort of, you know, um, hem you hem you in from the earliest, from your own um, self-concept um, as a child till the time you're, you know, a fully formed adult and don't even realize that this these things have been superimposed on you for so long. So I think you're quite brave, actually, oh, is what I you. would say. Thank yeah, you. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I just, you know, it's just, it was just something simple that I, that I just wanted to do. And I do this because like, I thoroughly enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy like people sharing their stories with me, you know, cause again, like that's kind of like the reason I love filmmaking. It's mm. just like, you're sharing people's stories and like, you're just getting exposed to all these different ideas and like, we all have so much to connect with. Mm. And that's the, to me, that's the way I've chosen to connect with people. See, that's a profound statement too, because I've heard it said that, you know, and this is really fresh on my mind, I'm doing a lot of, um, I'm spending my holidays like staycationing and doing a lot of volunteer work service nice. that actually feeds me too, yes, yes. of course, uh, probably more than it helps the other people, but addiction is a big topic mm -hmm. for me. And I've heard it said that the opposite of addiction is connection, mm. that when people are seeking, you know, to kind of... Um, that when there's that endless need for something and you can't stop doing it, even if it's not good for you, what you're really seeking is authentic connection with other human beings uh, or, you know, first and foremost, probably with yourself. Yeah. And I mentioned self-alienation earlier because I really see it in all my character portrayals, in all of my research, in my own life, 
that sense of I'm not okay is at the root of so much, whether it's toxic masculinity or, you know, internalized racism or, you know, racism projected out onto others, um, you know, otherizing and fear mongering and everything that drives Fox News, you know, like everything that helps foment the kind of mess that we're in now politically starts with, I'm not okay. There's something wrong with you. Whether even And I was married to a white guy who's still, you know, white, straight, Christian male, like good looking, tall, n- not, everything should have been fine. Right. And I think he, I mean, I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I think I can speak knowing him that he also still felt this sense of like something about him was still not okay. Mm. And I would imagine that if I got enough time to sit down and interview every human being on earth, there would be precious few who were given the message from the time they were little, everything about you is all right, Right. exactly as you are, your feelings are normal, you know, you're safe, you're loved, you're cared for, and we see you. Now what? This is helpful because like I also do struggle with addiction issues too, so it's a constant battle back and forth, you know. I mean, I think it's I think it might be America. Yeah. Like I kind of don't know anybody who doesn't have an incessant craving to do something. We can call it. I mean, I, one of my addictions is workaholism, yep. and it looks virtuous, and everybody's like, "Look at her go! Look at all the stuff you're Look doing! Look at all yeah. that stuff you're doing!" I'm like, I'm, I'm so hiding from you. my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about sell by date. I'm so glad I got to see it. Yeah. Yay, I because this is the funny thing too. Um, a lot of like, a lot of um. First off, it was so beautiful because not only was like the performance amazing, but the sound design and the stage design, like it all just like came together to just like it was like it was like a it was like a beautiful um just like whole piece. Oh, Do you know what I mean? You. Yeah, like, pretty cool. It, it, it right? was so. It was My director is amazing, Carolyn Cantor, she sat another in front of badass us woman. Yeah, at the uh, at the one we were at, and I was like, we were, Susan and I were like, oh, like this woman's in front of us with her like little daughter. This is so cool. Like, oh, like, and then to find out it's, <laughs> and it's the, the director. director. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> But it was just, it was so amazing because I feel like for people who don't know, who don't go to like see performances or theater, like I feel like a lot of people think it's easy to write off a one woman, one person show. Mm -hmm. There's very like sort of cliche things Mm -hmm. that can go into it. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's that Fred Armisen skit on Saturday Night Live. Did you ever see that? I think I I consciously (laughs) avoided it, but yes. But the thing was like, it's just to see something that just like, it's like the show itself is transformative and to just like be transported like with just like the power with just your power on mm. the stage you know mm-hmm. it was like I've never experienced anything like Thank that you. and one of the, my favorite things I loved about it was like not only were things um, perspectives from like different cultures yeah. but also different ages yeah. and that's something that I've been really really interested in lately especially because I live in fucking Williamsburg right. and the majority of like the it's people in my neighborhood yes. it's, it's just like in a carnival for like grown children <laughs> yes you know and like my you know like we were just doing the shoot in like northern california and alaska and like i'm like hanging out with all these different people of different mm. ages and that's like something i i don't like that's like one thing that really bums me out about mm. being here where i am mm-hmm. like i think that's so important um you know laurie simmons has this movie that's mm. coming out that that i went to go for a screening of and it's about an older artist just mm. like navigating her life and it's mm. just like it's so I feel so special to be, uh, you know, around that kind of wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not to say that wisdom can't come at any age. Yeah. But like, I like the I like the feeling of being around people of all different ages, and in, in 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 addition to backgrounds. But mm-hmm. that was something that I took away from it that I really loved a lot. Um, so, 
I'm heaping all this praise on you. I'm sorry. Thank I'm not you. letting you talk about no, the show. No, I appreciate um, it. So when you're doing a show like that, what is what is the research process? Like when you're standing oh. at the bottom of that mountain oh and you like see the top and you're yeah. like, how the fuck am I going to get up there? Like what what is going through your mind? Like yeah. what's your approach? Well, I first of all, I didn't realize I am my own Sherpa. So yes. that was hard because uh-huh. I was like, I'm just going to find my way. It's like, no, you got to carry everything, dude. You yeah. got to take all, take all of you with you up the mountain. And I think where I began was fear. Mm-hmm. Um, who's going to want to see a play about this topic? What am I thinking? It's not commercial. Well, my, what made you go down that road in the first place? Where well, were you like, I have to tell this story? So this is the interesting thing. My agent was saying, you know, I was really fortunate. I um, had a one-woman show on Broadway that like never happens. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it was it all, it just felt so fluky and strange the whole way. I'm not a trained actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know I wanted to do this. I started out doing the spoken word thing and my character sort of emerged out of this spoken word poetry hip hop moment that I was in that I loved Mm -hmm. in the 90s. And um, then, you know, like I said, really, I guess it was 1999. I did a one woman show that had like characters in it and was tackling themes that for me were relevant and necessary and urgent. And they weren't you know, like when I saw people of color on television or even on SNL, it was always this kind of, you know, reductive, um, two-dimensional representation right. that was meant to spice up the real central figure right. of the white people, usually the white guy. Yeah, like when Chris Rock had that, like it would be like Nat X. Exactly. Would be like his recurring He'd sketch. He'd just pop in and or do the Tim Nat Tim Meadows X. as like the ladies man. Totally. Yeah. Whereas, you know, there was this, even when the skits were, you know, even when it was a sil- some kind of silly thing, or whoever, I don't know, Dana Carvey or somebody, there was just this sense of like, there, the white guy's perspective was was home base, right? And then everything else was kind of marginal or hyphenated from there. The women, you know, the definitely the people of color, mm-hmm. and so I mean, SNL of today is almost unrecognizable compared to back then. I know it's completely. Am- it's amazing to me. Um, but all of this to say, by the time I. Um, wrote and performed my first one-woman show that was commercial, I had had all this crazy stuff happen. Meryl Streep came into my life through like my human rights work with this wonderful organization called Equality Now. Well, what's that like when a heavyweight like that comes in? It's like, it's hey, crazy. I like what you're doing. I didn't know what the I hell. I want to be, I I I be on board. First, when we got the phone, we got a phone call, and I was like, oh, someone's pranking me. Yeah. I just, they were like, oh, Meryl Streep's on the phone. I was like, oh, who's that? Oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. And then I realized that, you know, she is also interested in what's happening with, you know, people who are interested in character. Like, that's what she does. She's a brilliant artist. Right. She's also an activist at heart. And she's incredibly smart. She writes. She, you know, she's a visual artist. She can sing. She's amazing. Right. And I... <laughs> just kind of I was like okay I'm just gonna keep pinching myself and hope like I don't actually pinch all the way through the bone right but and this but that doesn't that go back to what we were talking about in the beginning almost of like somebody like she was in a position where she could be like I like this yeah I'm gonna put this on yes. front street she did she know? did a plan b on me she yeah. did a George Clooney she yeah. participant films whatever like yeah. she full-on you know was like how can I help amplify your voice and it changed my life. Yeah. And my show eventually went to Broadway and I won a Tony. It was incredible. That's amazing. And then, here's the thing. We were talking about addiction, right? I think I got addicted to 
fame, you know, like a fame chasing energy mm. and like recognition and all. And man, when you're doing eight shows a week and 600 people jump up and clap for you and you're all by yourself, it's this strange feeling that I've heard called, you know, feeling like the piece of shit at the center of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was a strange experience and I wasn't prepared for it. And I promptly, uh, I was, I think that I could have been easier to deal with for my producers. Like it was a rough, bumpy ride. I did the best I could, but eight shows a week for eight months, nonstop, no vacation. That's a lot. And, and the, I just think the pressure was too much. Anyway, all of this to say, I um, needed a break. Yeah. And I didn't know that. Like my, my soul was like, help me. And I was like, what's that? Let's go to the Chateau Marmont and hang out with lots of famous people and like try to get rich and like, you know, fly around on people's private planes. Great. <laughs> let's do that. So then my soul was like, that's not what I said. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, bye. And, yeah. you know, so it took me some time to figure out that my work has to come before any kind of external validation. Like the work itself is the most important thing. And so when my agent was saying, write a musical, you've got one in you. It's going to be awesome. We're going to make a ton of money. My soul was like, remember when we met those girls in prison because you were teaching poetry workshops and you remembered thinking, this is insane. How does the world not know that these young girls are on Rikers Island for soliciting and prostitution when they're literally too young to consent to sex? What the fuck? Like you can't both be, you know, a, a, a criminal, um, I mean, you should hear the terms and the, the incredible, um, you know, disparagement of women and sexuality. It's so Victorian. It's so puritanical and sick Mm -hmm. the way we pathologize women's sex lives in part through criminalizing, you know, what some people call sex work and what I would also call commercial sexual exploitation, Mm -hmm. especially for these girls. Anyway, the point being, I had always had in the back of my mind these stories need to be told. They need to be brought from margin to center. And these these quote-unquote characters need to be rendered in a way so that white guys who come into the theater and feel no connection to that identity as such, they need to still feel their core humanity connected with this young girl's core humanity right. somehow. Um, so in being in that target, yeah. I do have to say, you know, like there were certain characters in the show that, you know, and I'd like to think that I'm uh you know an open person and that like you know trying to be the best i can be but there were definitely certain characters where i was like oh wow i see how my behavior could be problematic to this mm, you know it's painful i'm sorry i'm, no, like, I'm no, sorry i want to no. give you your money back no, for your no, ticket no no no, no, no but no, it's no, probably no, no. a good I, thing right? I, I want like, to hear that yeah i want to hear that and that's right. the best that's the best thing that art can do for you right right it's it's right. It's, it's not you don't want to be nagged at right you want to just you want to be you have to be like brought to the pond to have a drink. You don't want the water splashed in your face. No, right. We're you not, know? This is not a projectile. <laughs> yeah. You're not at, what was that? I remember going on spring break in Mexico. It was like Senor Frogs oh, or yeah, something like, where they like, put uh, a, they like chips. Yes, we're not trying to force feed you anything. No, but I mean, just like thinking about like pornography industry as a whole oh, and yeah. like what the effect of that is. Right. You That's know? real. Because That's real. there is, there is like on one side, there's this push for people to be like, well, like they're taking agency over their bodies right. and they're, they can do what they want. Right. But there is like the other side of like much to what we're talking about, like with the Native American character where that energy is still under there. Totally. You know? Totally. And that was something that I hadn't thought about, you know? hundred percent. And you know, so if, uh, what I'm saying is like, yeah, you're, you're it's working. Thank you. Thank you. I'm message, glad it's working. Message, message sent. Message received. Message received. Message received. <laughs> you know? And that's like, that's the, 
you know, like, man, when theater is on, there's yeah. nothing better. It's there's very nothing specific. better. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was in high school, my mom took me to go see, um, man, like uh, Jeffrey Wright and Most Def do Top Dog, oh, Underdog. In pu- uh, the, at the public. Yes. Oh, my God. So good. And like that. That that play and it was like in one room, right? You know, like they're just right. in their bedroom Super the simple. entire time, right? right. Susan and like Park's I, ca- I carry so that with me like my entire life, oh, you know, like so it's like that's that's the thing that I love about you know experiencing that kind of work, and I just think it just needs to be out there more because there's more people that like those kinds of messages and like self reflections would be very beneficial to, well, and, and that's I, where the power comes from. Totally, and I think one of the you know. It's so sad, but one of the myths or, you know, sort of the bill of goods we get sold as a culture is, ow, that hurts, don't touch it. And sometimes it's like, no, that thing that hurts to look at a little bit is the key to your freedom. Mm -hmm. And if you're willing to walk through a little bit of discomfort of being like, oh, shit, my sweater from Forever 21 is being made by slave labor. That's not cool. Am I willing to not look hot tonight at this party and, you know, go buy something someplace else that I know was sustainable? Mm -hmm. Like having that moment of discomfort and having to grow into some character that's that's you know it's what you need for your it's almost an act of of self-preservation to learn how to withstand a little bit of discomfort so that you can expand into who you really are right and it's like you know you know but i think people think pat themselves on the back too often especially with social media right like say like oh um like you know support uh support those at standing rock click like clicktivist i did my thing i'm a clicktivist i did did my my thing wow i really am caring you guys i know i know know? and at the same time i don't want to discourage people from giving their money i don't you know if people are like doing their thing and really donating and yeah 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 but but yes i hear you about likes yeah i hear about like the you know like the like (laughs) syndrome where you're like oh my god like i totally supported so many great organizations today but to talk you know to talk a little bit about that feeling you had after you know your first show Mm -hmm, you know what mm -hmm. what is the emotional toll that like performing like that does to you over time yeah what is that uh, so i this is interesting because you were talking about seeing um you know seeing most deaf and jeffrey wright um and i remember seeing lily tomlin like uh, and i think she was on tv like you know she's old more of a generation where my mom would have watched her and everything but uh, she, I got to talk to her. She's on my podcast. I'm oh, super amazing. stoked. My characters got to talk to her characters. It was crazy. Oh, I my brain shit. exploded. I had to like pick it up off the floor and put it back in. But I mentioned this because she had this ability to inhabit the char- the characters and you know the people from her real life, and it was cathartic for her. And I've talked about that a little bit with with Tracy Ullman as well. And I I think Meryl will probably say something similar and probably John Leguizamo. You know, we get to become more fully human because these people lend us their lives. And that's a gift. Yeah. Like every time I learn who someone is to the point where I feel... Uh, I remember trying to learn how to... uh, I was not in the cell by date. My name is Habiba. Uh, but I hope that I will be in another uh, future uh, version because uh, the religion uh, issues and the political issues and the women uh, empowerment and freedom uh, in the Middle East, of course, it's a very important issues and people don't realize that we are feminist uh, women mm-hmm. there as well. Just because I normally, I am covered, I wear the hijab does not mean that I am not empowered women. But uh, I tell Sarah Jones uh, that she have to take uh, my story that I share 
treat it with uh, the respect that she will want for mm-hmm. her own story. Simple, very simple. Doesn't have to be uh, perfect, but it must be that you can close your eyes and feel that heartbeat, uh, my heartbeat. And she promised me that she will try to do that. Uh, she will get upset now. I started to get no, no, but so but with Habiba. So to me, that is that like is that why like that's the difference when like Ashton Kutcher plays a character named Raj. Yeah. And like what you're doing. That's right. the difference. I hope so. I mean, I, I would like to believe, basically all like, Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Oh like, yeah, I remember that. You know how many people, like, I don't how many understand. cooks there are in the kitchen? I don't know how How is there nobody along the way that was like. I don't know how some gatekeeper didn't say, whoa, nobody whoa, was whoa, like, whoa. Well, I don't know. I, I, don't I think about that shit all the time. Look, I worry about it because it, depending on where I go with my career, I just hope there's, I just don't ever want anyone to yes me. I mean, I trust that, I mean, I'm so interested in finding out what's going on along the way that I doubt I'll end up in that position. But wow, to be that, um, I just think there's a certain remove and you, there, there, it's, it's like a po- willful ignorance. Um, I would I, I don't know that it was yeah. willful ignorance, but I would say I've seen people who truly don't understand that what they're doing is offensive. They yeah. truly don't get it. It's and so what I would call it is a kind of pre-literacy. Like they they're Ill, they're sort of pre-literate in a certain spiritual energetic kind of way. Mm-hmm. They don't yet know how to read, you know, human interaction and understanding in enough of a way to be respectful of another person the way they would want it themselves also they may not even know they want it themselves or need it themselves i've had white guys tell me on many different occasions oh but i'm nothing and i'm like dude did you just hear what you called yourself like i'll be like oh well i'm black i'm you know i'm irish german blah blah blah. there's you know christians in my family and Mm -hmm. jews and blah blah blah. and they'll be like oh wow that's crazy that's an amazing mix you're so exotic i'm nothing (laughs) and i'm just like first of all this date is not going well yeah but secondly (laughs) Uh, but secondly what do you mean you're nothing? Like where, how, how could you get, and to think that nothing is a kind of safe baseline or is a kind of, you know, again. The, I'm clear. It's, it's clear. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm See just through. me. I'm yeah. transparent. And what that suggests, it's this really twisted thing because it says I'm normal. I've also heard I'm normal. But what it really means is I haven't done any investigation. I haven't done the Tim Wise homework. I don't know if you know about him, but he's this really interesting guy who talks about white privilege. He's been talking about it for ages. I remember his books in the 90s. Tim Wise. um, And he talks about whiteness as a political category, as a... You know, something that you can track, just like I can track why African-American exists as a concept. You can track what does whiteness mean? Mm -hmm. You know, Lorraine will be the first one to tell you she was marked Jewish and Slavic when she got here. She was not white and she did not enjoy white privilege until, you know, certain rules and things changed. And then suddenly the dirty Irish became white. It's like it was like an economic thing, you know, to a certain degree. I think there were economics in there. I think lots of politics in there. But it's a very interesting thing to watch how... Uh, these categories, you know, that def- that supposedly define us, a lot they're all constructs anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because fu- I'm adopted, so I didn't really know my background. I, d- I mean, I was raised by two Jews, mm-hmm. and I definitely remember being like at Thanksgiving dinners and just like stepping back and being like, "These Jews are hilarious." <laughs> they've been like, they've been arguing about mustard for like thirty oh minutes. 
you know? know. But it's like I understand that culture. I didn't. I wouldn't Did say that. Did you never I, feel like? I mean, you I had a bar mitzvah and everything, okay. but it was more of a social thing. Right. You I, didn't go to Hebrew school. No. You didn't do the whole, no, I okay. didn't. I never really felt like, oh, this is me. Right. You know, and I met my birth parents when I was eighteen, and they're not um, Jewish. No. Okay. But my birth father, he's like a hundred percent Irish. You know, wow. like Philly, like Amazing. you know, his brothers are all cops in Philly and wow. stuff. Like, and yeah. um, my birth mom, she's also adopted. So wow. we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So we don't really know. Like she's done the the spit test. The DNA. Thing. We found out that like we're Greek somewhat. Amazing. Which is cool. That explain all the hair on it my fits. body. Don't you, you know? love it when a plan comes it. together? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So it's like I kind of grew up. Just I never felt a kinship to huh. like one zone. Right. You know, to one kind of background. I would love to embrace, you know, like yeah. if anything, the culture I've embraced the most is like Italian culture. Like it just like speaks to me, like just like the, uh, like the love, the warmth and not saying that other cultures and the, do don't have that. do you mean Italy or yeah. do you mean that? Oh, okay. And, and yeah, like, I mean like that's, that's my one pasta roller right there. Uh, that's, you okay. know, like I just, I, I, I make pasta to relax. I, like uh, the Italian food makes sense to me. So maybe you, know, you have yeah. uh, something. Uh, maybe a little like Mediterranean. It's a possible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, it's funny that you say that because in Italy, I always feel, and I'm not, you know, trying to paint the entire country with a broad of brush, course. but there is, there's something about um, a core, like there's this sense of welcome. And yes. I was actually just talking with another amazing artist who you'd probably love, and she's a powerful woman who would be awesome on this show, Helga Davis. Okay. She was in Einstein on the Beach, the um, Philip, Philip Glass? Glass. Yeah. And she's also a noted, you know, brilliant singer and yeah. musician in her own right. Anyway, she has a podcast on NYC, which I just the best. Um, heard. So good. Oh, it's on all the time. It's My radio station dial never changes. So good. So she's amazing, <laughs> Helga. But um, we were talking about Italy, and yeah. she was saying uh she was trying to process trump and you know they were saying but elga uh, how is it possible uh, that you have uh, trump uh, it's america it cannot be uh, mm-hmm. to have him there and that she was kind of seeing through their eyes there's this human it, it, and for people who had Berlusconi, like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know, Berlusconi, Mussolini, like, like, they're, yeah, they're, like government-sanctioned orgies. So, so pretty much. <laughs> filmed. They had to be filmed fi- oh, on his network. No, I'm kidding. But, you know, <laughs> the point is that whether it's Italy or some other, I feel very connected to Native American people. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. I haven't done the spit test thing yet. And I, you know, lots of black people have Native ancestry, et cetera. But I kind of feel like our ancestry and what we're drawn to and you know like i'm sure you feel some connection to i mean you had your bar mitzvah you you know you have your irish connection and this italian like i'm sort of pulling threads from everywhere all the time Mm -hmm. and different things speak to me on different days i mean i'll have moments when i feel very disconnected from my african-american and caribbean roots and more connected to you know, my uh, extended family who are Jewish or more connected to friends I grew up with who are Indian or, you know, more connected to um, youth culture than I feel connected to my own, you know, my own age appropriate, you know, culture. So like I kind of don't understand it and I've stopped trying to figure it out. I just find when something's authentic and beautiful, it gives me chills Mm -hmm. and I try to hang around it and get closer to it um, and let it, wash over me yeah like know? seek that out yeah. i don't know um did you see moonlight yes so like i that movie like gutted me open like a fish. oh yeah like that the as soon as that scene when he like makes the meal for him yeah. i just didn't stop crying for like two hours i couldn't 
I couldn't believe it. I just like, it just like, mm. it's just like, it was just something that was just like so small, but so true. And the way that they kind of allowed you to infer all of these things, mm. like with the subtext of the stories. Mm-hmm. And that was a play first too, right. you know? Right. So it all comes back to the theater. It all comes you back know? to the theater. Like I just cried like a baby wow. for like two and a half hours. Beautiful. I was like, you know, like covering my face, like yeah. walking out of the movie theater. Cause there was like people laughing and stuff in the theater. I'm like, Dude, are, you, are your innards not Jesus. all over the floor you right robot? now? What do you like, mean? Come yeah. on. No, I think that film, and there are moments in, you know, I've had it happen with music. Mm-hmm. I've had it happen with, um, you know, a piece of visual art mm-hmm. where something bigger than me and everyone around that piece of art and even the person who created it or, if you will, the person who allowed it to be created through them, something so huge and you know, kind of ineffable, made that thing and I'm plugged into it and I don't understand it. You don't even have to think about it. I don't it. even have to think about it. And it's a socket and I'm getting power out of it and yeah. it's, you know, giving to me. I, I mean, I've had that happen. And my my hope, my prayer, my, you know, my mantra, help me make something useful. Yeah. It's, for me, that's usefulness. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, it's a recharge. It's a battery recharge. It We're is. in a world that can sap you of your chi just, you know, between the time you leave your door and get to your train or your bus or your well, you whatever have to put it walls is. up and some people have to put more, more walls up than other people just to make it from their door to the train. Totally. Right? And like when you can have something that can just cut through all that and make you just feel vulnerable in a safe way. I mean, there's nothing better than that. It's And, you know, Brene Brown, who I know rose to, you know, people's awareness through a TED Talk about vulnerability, mm. this um, concept that she has of living wholeheartedly is a big thing that I love. Because the idea is that, you know, we shut, like you're saying, we put up walls, we kind of up armor our hearts so that they're not, so we don't have to experience pain. It's that mm-hmm. same thing, like, you know, have a, take a pill, like make it go away yep. instead of I'm going to walk through the heart of this. Because the truth is when I take the pill or make it go away, it's a temporary fix. Right. And I'm going to suffer again in a revol- – there's a revolving door of suffering that I go into all the time so I don't have to go through the one-time discomfort of like, oh, let me just face this hairy thing that I don't right. want to look at, right? right? So in a certain way, Brene Brown's talking about and I think you're talking about and I'm talking about – living in a way that your entire heart is available and that means it's vulnerable it's scary but it's it's strength vulnerability is strength Mm. this illusion the kind of toxic masculinity myths and the bravado i mean we started out talking about this with obama having a kind of quiet dignified civility about him you know i think if we lived in a world in which there weren't such an emphasis on um, this empty idea of might and, you know, um, browbeating people into doing what you want them to do and, you know, greed and avarice as like a merit. Like if we didn't have that, he could just be Obama and be this beautiful soul and it wouldn't, you know, create the condi- – I don't think he created the conditions, but I, I do look back and think, I'm sorry, did we know that Russia was tampering with our election in September and nobody did anything about yeah. that? That is fucking painful. That's a, that's a big deal it's right there. It's super painful. That's a- so that's a place where we don't want vulnerability. You know, right. we want – but I think part of what imperils us as a world is this illusion that acting out of fear that's disguised as strength and might and, you know, being more powerful. Yeah. It, it's, it is at the root of everything we're doing to destroy ourselves. It's all fear-based. It's all about 
the terror that we're going to crumple and cry for two hours when something touches us. But it but it feels good, though. You it feels actually good to probably feel. felt amazing yes. when you came out of that theater. Yeah. Dude, a good hard cry. Yeah. Okay, this is the last person I'm going to mention because I just think it's so interesting no, that no, all no. this stuff is looped in together. But Susan Orlean, who's another yes. writer yes, who yes, I've been yes. able to meet in my travels. Yeah. Um, she has, I think, is it called Cry Babies? She's got a pod, I think it's a podcast. Yes, I saw her do it live. Yes. She does it live with, um, what's, uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. She's like Andy Richter's wife. Yes, yes, yes. I, I saw them do it live at the Bell House. Totally. Yeah. So this idea that crying, you know, I grew up with like, oh my God, don't cry. What's wrong? Oh right. my God, fix it. Give yeah. her some ice cream. Sack it up. Here. That's what they would say to guys. Sack, Sack it, it up. up. Wow. That, Sack dude, it up. Dude, they like rope your nuts into it and everything. It's horrible. Sack it up. You can't even, you can't be masculine and cry. So <laughs> what that does is it guarantees that you're like, you know, shunting off. Like in the show Sell by Date, I have, everybody's on a shunt. Yes. But, you know, you're basically saying, I'm not willing to have this human experience. I am right. unwilling to do this thing that my body and soul naturally want to do so that I can keep being human in the world. And then you've got to deal with the, you know, kind of all the barnacles that collect on your soul because you refuse to cry. Or you cry it out. Let me tell you, I have learned that crying is like the best drug ever. Yeah. It's free. Uh-huh. Like it takes you someplace where you're like, what the fuck is this? And then when you're done, you feel lighter. You feel it's sort yeah. of like everybody's got some kind of frozen grief. I think inside from whatever it is, you know, you bullying I love or that. frozen grief. Frozen That's grief. Incredible. And and like tears are just that thawing and setting you a little bit freer every time you cry. Yeah. So do it up. Get yeah. yourself some good sunglasses. I walk around New York with sunglasses <laughs> on all days, especially cloudy days. Yeah. And when I need it, I just have a good hard cry. That's beautiful. Yeah. Are there uh, are there any topics and areas that you would that would be off limits to you? Uh, I haven't heard them yet, but probably, Yeah. you know, I mean, I think I'm, I think my, I have a you public self. You feel free self. to explore. I feel, pr- I'm, I've been shocking myself lately. And sometimes like after the recording or the microphone or the, you know, TV interview is done, I'm like, what did I just <laughs> do? Why did I? So I'm trying to practice discernment yes. with my vulnerability at the same time. But I find that whatever... I think I need to hide or whatever I feel like I need to dodge is the place I should, that should be my entry point. Yeah. Yeah. I was just watching a little interview with David Bowie this morning Mm. where he talks about that, where he's like, you need to go a little bit deeper. Like you need to go to the place where you can't stand. Mm -hmm. And like, that's where your best work's going to get made. hundred percent. And I think it's true in life. Like I, I've discovered this thing that, I know I'm not alone in it. It might not be everybody, but I know there are other people who experience this. I have um, uh, this strange, like I don't shift gears well. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm doing something that catapults me to, you know, some level of visibility, you know, being on stage at the White House was a good example. Instead of anybody else's mind would be like, this is awesome. Like Alicia Keys just introduced us. This is rad. Let's have a good time. Like hang out with the first lady. My mind was like, this is terrifying. We have to get the fuck out of here. Right. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what that thing of like, oh my God, so much sunshine. I'm blinded and I have to run away. But I have that. So in my life, I have to go to the pain. Uh-huh. And you know, I heard this great phrase that I love. Everything I want is just outside my comfort zone. So I have to get uncomfortable in order to be become more useful. That's what I've discovered. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll be pretty good or right. I'll be okay. Or I I might even get to the point where people are like, you're great. But when they say you're great, I'll just go run away and hide. Yeah, you're striving for like true greatness. I want 
something that I don't know that there's a word for this, but actually what I've heard is that humility, the true definition of humility is not, oh, don't be, oh, come yeah, on oh, now. Stop, stop yeah. it. <laughs> it's not that. And it's also not, um, you know, making yourself bigger than you are in some kind of false thing. It's being in acceptance of exactly who you are, where you are, and not judging or criticizing it um, so that you're, this is great what you're doing. Thank you. You're allowed to say, yeah, I have this great podcast. Saying, oh, I have this little thing that I'm doing is actually a lie. If you you can feel in your bones that what you're doing is meaningful and you're hearing from all sides that this is helping people, touching people, it is actually a misalignment. It's like you need, you know, some kind of uh, creative chiropractic to get you back to the place where you can say, I did this this podcast, I'm really proud of it. Like that's humility. Being able to own that you've done something you believe in and that other people love and you love is humility. It's not bragging. It's not being grandiose. It's not, you know, who the fuck do you think you are? It's actually what would align us all a lot better if we could just stop saying, oh my God, I'm so fat. No, just love, you're in a, you're in a body. There's nothing wrong with your body rock out with your fucking body and then yes. go do something useful with your time yes. instead of spending your time. And I believe me, I'm saying this because I need to hear it. No, I mean, look, uh, you know, the saying goes, um, there's a there's a lid for every pot, you know? Love it. <laughs> Love that. Need that reminder There's a right lid now. for every pot, you Recent know? breakup. I was like, my lid! Where did my lid go? <laughs> it's like, he's not the lid. He's no. not your lid, Jones. No. There's another lid. He's out, he's out there. And you he's know? out there and that like I don't have to diminish the lid the the pot that I am I don't have to make it something that it's not but I don't have to diminish it and I think that's the place so when we're talking about greatness mm-hmm. I think greatness is acknowledging that every one of us has talents and gifts that we've been given um, I think for circumstantial reasons many people don't ever get to um, I, I almost the word exploit almost came out Explore. of my mouth because I've been going to a yeah. lot of TV meetings but um <laughs> Explore. We don't get to explore. Thank you. Because people see it as a luxury. Not only do they see it as a luxury, that's a huge point. Yeah. But not only do they see it as a luxury, many people are taught they don't have it. Right. Like, you know, you go to, if you're singing in your kindergarten class and your teacher goes, ooh, keep that down, you'll never sing again. You'll be 50 years old with this trapped voice inside you and maybe you're awesome. Maybe you sound like Bob Dylan and, you you know, not Pavarotti, but you could have been Bob Dylan and you'll never know. Right. So I think what's really interesting is... We're all given these gifts. And, you know, like I love, since I was a little girl, I would automatically just walk up to a person and start talking. Like I I have no problem whatsoever with just changing to become somebody different. And somebody tried to tell me, what's wrong with your child? You're fake. You talk to this one like this and you talk to this one like that. And what is wrong with you? And thanks God that I realized all of these people are living inside me. And I would be fake if I don't let them all have their turn. And if I don't explore, not exploit, but explore Mm -hmm. all of what that means for me. So I really think like the goal for me is allowing space for all of the things that move me and speak to me and sing to me. What we were just talking about, Moonlight, if it cracks you open, follow it. Yeah. You know, follow your bliss. Like I guess Joseph Campbell or somebody said. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like... And we live in a culture that says, follow the check. <laughs> we live in a culture that says, follow the skinny, follow the, yeah. you know, the perfect marriage to the perfect person. No, just keep listening for the still small voice that tells you what you love. That's how you know who you are. And I once heard somebody say this great thing. It sounds so 
you know, it sounds too simple to be worthwhile, but the idea is that we only need to ask three questions in life ever. Who am I? So that's a, that's a deep question, that's a big right? One. Who that's am a big I? Because yeah. it's not who, who did my dad tell me I am? Who does the world tell me I am? Who am I? Who do I know myself to be? So who am I? How do I feel? Not, dude, I'm fine. Or I feel fat. No, the fat's not a feeling. How do I actually feel in this moment? And when mm-hmm. I, if I can sit still long enough to access grief or joy or you know longing or discomfort or confusion, then I have the answer to that question. Like, who am I? How do I feel? And then the third question is, what do I need? So once I've done that first diagnostic test of like, oh, I feel lonely, call somebody. Yeah. You know, or like go outside and like you know chat to someone. Tell tell the barista you appreciate them. Like just connect connect and that i really think it is the opposite of our addiction as a country to you know all of the um these crazy back alleys of you know disconnection and self-alienation and burying our heads in the sand and pretending everything's fine that have led us to a trump apocalypse yeah yeah (laughs) no it's true yeah um before we finish it i have to remind you to plug your stuff oh my god all right so i'm supposed to plug because your this is the thing so like what's going your show's going to be opening in la so my plan is to move the show we don't know where we're going yet so more people will be able to have still lives on it it lives on and if they go to sarahjonesonline.com or my social channels so they can find me on twitter at jones sarah j-o-n-e-s-a-r-a-h just one s in the middle nice Mm -hmm. and complicated um, or XO Sarah Jones, S-A-R-A-H. So XO Sarah Jones. That's at, for Instagram? That's for Instagram and Facebook. Great. Um, so, but find me there because we'll be announcing what we're doing and the podcast launching Amazing. and all this cool stuff. I'm so, so excited. I couldn't think of a better guest for our 50th episode. Woohoo! Sarah Jones, this has been such a treat and a privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're 50. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Awesome. Awesome. 